All right, we're beginning here on the top of Chav Gimel and Aleph. Beyom Tov Chamisha, Beyom Akipurim Shisha, Beshabbat Shiva. So we had in the Mishnah the layout of the laning for these three days. On Yom Tov you have five aliyot, on Yom Kippur you have six aliyot, and on Shabbat we have seven aliyot. The Mishnah then continued and says, Ein mehen, you can't have less than them. Aval Musifim Alein, you can't add to them. And we saw there a machloket harishonim about the Musifim Alein, whether that was just referencing Shabbat, or was that referencing everything that came before? Rashi seemed to indicate that it referenced everything before. I'm going to see Tosafot today also says a similar thing, that it references all of them, that you can add on to any one of them. The Ran, on the other hand, believed that you could only add on to Shabbat because the number of Liot actually indicates a hierarchy in the Kedushah. So five for Yom Tov, then Yom Kippur, which is more Kadosh, six, and then Shabbat is seven. If you were able to add on, that would ruin that hierarchy, except for Shabbat. Since it's the highest number, then you can add on to it without causing any problems. Mar says, Matnitan Mani, who is the author of our Mishnah? Lo Rabbi Ishmael, velo Rabbi Akiva. Neither of one of them can be the author of the Mishnah, the Tanya. Beyom Tov Chamisha, Ubeyom Akipurim Shisha, Ushabat Shiva. So as far as this aspect is concerned, this matches our Mishnah. Five for Yom Tov, six for Yom Kippur, seven for Shabbat. Ein pochatimahen, vein mosifimahen, divi Rabbi Ishmael. So here's the problem. Rabbi Shmuel says that you're not allowed to have less than that, but you're also not allowed to have more than that. So as far as the numbers are concerned, Rabbi Shmuel matches our Mishnah, but as far as the statement here that you're not allowed to add on to them, that does not correlate with our Mishnah. So Rabbi Shmuel can't be the author of the Mishnah. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Yom Tov Chamisha, Yom Kippurim Shiva, Shabbat Shisha. That Yom Tov gets five, Yom Kippur gets seven, and Shabbat gets six. Ein mehen, aval mosifim now, as far as the numbers are concerned, Rabbi Kiva does not correlate with the Mishnah, because he says Yom Kippur has the most aliyot, and Shabbat is below that. On the other hand, the statement of Al-Mosifin Alehen is in accordance with our Mishnah. So neither Rabbi Kiva's position nor Rabbi Shmuel's position individually will match up with our Mishnah. So Mani, who is the author of the Mishnah? I Rabbi Shmuel Kasha Tosef. If it's Rabbi Shmuel, then you have a problem from the statement that he says you can't add on aliyot, and our Mishnah says, says you can't. Rabbi Akiva, Kasha, Shisha, Vishiva. Rabbi Akiva, you have a difference between the six and seven. For our Mishnah, six is Yom Kippur, seven is Shabbat. For Rabbi Akiva, it's just the opposite. Six is Shabbat, seven is Yom HaKippurim. Amarava, no, it's a third Tana, that's the author of our Mishnah, which is Tana Debei Rabbi Shmalhi. It's the Beit Midrash of Rabbi Shmal. The Tana Debei Rabbi Shmal, Yom Tov Chamisha, Yom HaKippurim, Shisha, Shabbat Shiva, again, matching the numbers in our Mishnah. So now it's fine because it says you can't go below that, but you can add on. So now we found the author of our Mishnah. The only problem is, Here we have two different statements in the name of Rabbi Shmuel. So says, Not a problem. Two different Tanaim give an explanation as to the position of Rabbi Shmuel. Who's the author of this Brayta? Now, this Brayta will also help us explain the position of Rabbi Akiva, which seems a little strange. I mean, that Rabbi Shmuel's position that Yom Tov gets five, that Yom Kippur gets six, and Shabbat gets seven, makes sense in terms of the hierarchy of Kiddushah. Yom Tov and Isr Malacha generates an Isr Lav. Yom Kippur generates an Isr Karet. Shabbat generates an Isr Karet and an Isr Skila. So in terms of the hierarchy of Kiddushah, it makes sense. And to stack them in that manner of 5 for Yom Tov, 6 for Yom Kippur, 7 for Shabbat, makes sense. But Rabbi Kiva, who has it, 5 for Yom Tov, 6 for Shabbat, and 7 for Yom Kippur, how do you explain that order? So now we're going to have a Brayta, who we don't know the author of, and obviously the Gemara is going to assume that it's Rabbi Akiva, but based on this, we can explain Rabbi Kiva's position, which is, Yom Tov, and Yom Tov, they come later to start davening, and they leave early. Now, it doesn't mean they come late to davening and they leave from davening early, but rather they start davening at later time, and they end davening at an earlier time. On Yom Kippur, they start davening very early, and they end davening very late. They start early, and they also end early. Now, why? So as Rashi explains over here, it has to do with the nature of the day. On Yom Tov, for instance, where beforehand they have to be litroach v'sudat Yom Tov. They have to prepare the suda for Yom Tov, so they need the time beforehand in order to prepare, before davening, in order to prepare the meal, to get the food ready, because melechet ochel nefesh is permitted on Yom Tov itself. 
then Meharim, let's say, they go out early because, again, they have the opportunity for Simchat Yom Tov. So there's a reason to start davening a little later, and there's also a reason to end davening a little earlier. So in order to facilitate that, we'll say, let's assume that it has to do with the number of liot, that the leaning on Yom Tov will only have Chamesha liot in order to help facilitate the fact that they start a little later, and they leave a little later, earlier from davening. I mean, davening ends a little earlier. Then when it comes to Yom HaKippurim, we said that they come early, they start davening early, and they end late. So again, Rashi over here suggests that they come early because there's no preparations, Melechat Ochel Nefesh is not permitted, and they go later because there's no Simchat Yom Tov, they're not eating afterwards. Others suggest because of the davening, the extra tchinot, the extra davening that we have, so therefore it's going to go longer. So how do we facilitate that? We make davening have seven aliyot, so that we have more time because there's no rush, no rush in terms of they're starting early and they're ending late. And then Shabbat is in the middle because Shabbat, they say, mimaharim lavo, they come early because there's no permission for melechet ochel nefesh. All the food had to be prepared before Shabbat. On the other hand, Maharim, let's say, they end early as well because there's Onik Shabbat. So there is a reason to finish early. So we facilitate that by having it be six aliyot. So that's what the Gemara says, Lema Rabbi Kiva, to eat gavra yutera. That makes sense that it's Rabbi Akiva who says that you get an additional person depending on the time that you have allotted. For Yom Tov, which has the shortest time, you have five. For Yom Kippur, has the largest amount of time allotted. For Davening, you have seven. And Shabbat, which is in the middle, you have six. Rashi just makes, I would just note here, an interesting note about the Tuba Shabbat Meharim Lavo. What does that mean that they start early davening on Shabbat? Shavar Tiknu, Akol of Shabbat. They already prepared all the food from Erev Shabbat. It's good to start early then and daven like the Vatikin. So when he means early, he doesn't mean like 7 o'clock, 6.30, he means Vatikin. That's what it means to daven early. Daven early means at sunrise. So Meachrim Lavo means that they come a little later. Um, the actual development in Europe, especially in Hungary, for the later Shabbat davening to start much later, like at 8.30 or 9 o'clock, actually came about because they used to learn before davening. It wasn't so that they could sleep in. It was so that they could learn before davening, and so they used to give a window of time to learn. When they normally have come to davening, instead of coming to davening, they came and they sat and had a seder beforehand, and then they would daven. And that was the purpose of pushing back the davening time. And they... It's brought down the aloha that a person can start a little later. I know Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach, I remember davening with him, that every day of the week he would daven Vatikin, and on Shabbat he would daven at the 7 o'clock minute. He wouldn't daven Vatikin on Shabbat. Based on this, that there was a little, you know, you can start a little later on Shabbat, but not later, like 8.39. The purpose of starting at 8.39 is to facilitate the ability to learn before davening. So the Gemara says, Afilu temer Rabbi Shmal, denafish sidura diyoma. So even this, it could be Rabbi Shmuel, this has to do with the nature of the davening. How long is the davening? The davening on Yom Tov is the shortest. The davening on Shabbat is a little longer. And the davening on Yom Kippur is even longer. So actually, this layout has nothing to do with the number of liot. It has to do with the davening itself. So now the Gemara says, Hani shlosha, chamisha, shiva, me. The fact that we have three aliot, five aliot, seven aliot, where do they come from? So, pligi Rabbi Yitzhak bar Nachmani so it's Rabbi Yitzhak ben Achmani and one of his peers, Umanu, Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi. Or, Vamrila, there's some that suggest Rabbi Shimon Pazi, that they, one of the authors is Rabbi Shimon Pazi, Vichadime, and one of his peers, Umanu, and who's that peer? Rabbi Yitzhak ben Achmani. Vamrila, Rabbi Shmuel ben Achmani. And some say that the peer that he was arguing with was Rabbi Shmuel ben Achmani. Chanamar Keneged Birkat Koanim. One of them says it's Keneged Birkat Koanim, meaning that the three brachot of Birkat Koanim consist of three words, five words, and seven words. So there you have a structure of three, five, and seven. So again, I don't think that they're looking for the actual reason for the picking of three, five, and seven. I mean, that this isn't the reason you lay in three. This is in five or seven, but you see that these numbers are given significance in the context, Rashi says, and we're going to see in a second, the context of Malchut, or in the context of something that is done b'tzibur. So we see that 3, 5, and 7, we're going to see in the next mission, the Birkat Kohani must be done with a minyan. And so therefore, in the Tzibor, we see that these numbers have significance. So again, these are different guards. As Rashi says, These are part of the protocol 
of the king or the way that the proper etiquette with the king. And since this is Bitsibur, and it's only appropriate to have something similar to Mahut associated here, so these numbers are appropriate. Now, what these numbers are connected, in terms of, let's say, Shivat Ru'ei Pnei Amelech, as Rashi notes over here, we're in Masechet Megillah, Shivat Ru'ei Pnei Amelech is Sarei Parasu Madai, that there were seven of the Sarim of Parasu Madai. Rashi suggests that, Tosafot says, why would they ever set up something connected what Achashverosh did? Why is that relevant at all? And Rashi says it's relevant because it has to do with royalty. Since it has to do with royalty, that's why it's relevant, not because it's Achashverosh. So he says, and he says that two of them weren't as significant, and therefore there is five of them that are considered the Royal Amelech, or the most Chashuv, and the Shloshas from Asaf. Both of these are mentioned in Sefer Melachim. Towards the end of Sefer Malachim. On the other hand, Tosavot says that the Rabbeinu Tam believes that the seven come from the Pasuk in the Yirmiyahu that notes that there are seven of Roi Pnei Amelech, and therefore he brings a source that is not from Achashverosh. But again, the idea being here that in a position or a protocols of royalty, these numbers have significance, and therefore it's only appropriate that we use these numbers. Satani Rav Yosef, Gimel, Chamisha Vishiva, Shosha Shomrei Asaf, so he gives that reason of one of the two reasons that we saw before. He says, Abai, who is a Talmud of Rav Yosef, says, why didn't you tell us until now? How come we didn't know this from you beforehand? I didn't know that you didn't know this information. Have you ever asked me a question that I haven't answered? I just didn't know that you wanted this information or needed to know this information. Amrle Yaakov Mino the Rabbi Yehuda. So now Hani Shishad Yom Kippurim connected me. Obviously missing from the structure of three, five, and seven is the six of Yom Kippur. So that's what Yaakov Mino asked Rabbi Yehuda, what are these six of Yom Kippur? Now this is a difficult statement because why is Yaakov Mino? Sounds like Yaakov the Min, which is not exactly a positive description of Yaakov. Why is he the one querying Rabbi Yehuda? And anyway, why is it quoted in his name? So Tosafot already, Tosafot does this a lot with regards to names. He says over here that it cannot be that the word is Minah here because then Shemir Shemi Arkav, that the names of the Shemim should rot and therefore he wouldn't mention Yaakov. They would say Haumin Sha'alad Rabbi Yehuda. They wouldn't mention his name at all. We saw earlier Tosafot does this, for instance, if somebody is called Abshalom in the Gemara, he says it can't be that his name is Abshalom because Shemir Shemi Arkav. So he wouldn't, he can't accept that people were named after people that were evil. And therefore he says that the proper text should read over here that it's not Yaakov Mino, but rather Yaakov Mitzah, or Mitzah. So that it doesn't have that problem. So he asked, these six aliyot of Yom Kippur, connected me. Amalei, connected Shisha Shamdu Miminoshel Ezra, Shisha Mismolo. It's really six people that stood next to Ezra when he goes to give his speech and read from the Torah to the people. He has six people standing on his right and six people standing on his left. Shinema, it says in the Pasuk in Nechemiah, And here they go. Next to him is Matitya is one, Vishema is two, Banaya is three, Vuriyah is four, Vichilkiyah is five, Umasya is six. Al Yemino, those are to his right. Umismolo on his left were Pidaya one, Umishael two, Umalkiyah, three. V'chashum is four. V'chash badana is five. Zechariah is six. And Mishulam is seven. Uh-oh. Doesn't work out so well. He said that there were six on his right, six on his left. Turns out there's six on his right, but there's seven on his left. So, Ani Shivavu. Come says, what do you mean? They're not six there, there's seven. Come on, says, Hainu Zechariah, Hainu Mishulam. Zechariah and Mishulam are the same individual. But Maikaru Mishulam. Why did they call him Mishulam? De Mishlam be'ovdei. Because he was whole in his masim, that he was basically a tzaddik, and that everything that he did was proper and appropriate. So it was a, another name for Zichariah, and therefore you have six on each side of Ezra. Alright, Tanar Banan. Akol Olim Leminyan Shiva. Everybody counts towards the seven kruim, the seven aliyot that you need. Let's assume it's on Shabbat, like Rabbi Shmuel, the way we paskin. Vafilu Katan, Vafilu Isha. Even a katan, even isha. A woman should not read the Torah. 
because it's considered to be inappropriate that the woman would read before the tzibur. So now here, in terms of the structure, the Ran points out, first of all, that in the time before the Takana, that everybody made Birkata Torah, that the Katan and the Isha could not get the first Aliyah or the last Aliyah. They couldn't get the first Aliyah because he would make the opening bracha, and he can't get the last Aliyah because they make the closing bracha, and they're motzi, everybody else who comes up to an Aliyah the Torah. And that wouldn't work because they wouldn't necessarily be able to be motzi other people, a Katan or Isha. Therefore, when it says here, I feel katana, I feel isha, means it can't be the first or the seventh aliyah. That's the Ran statement. But he says, but now that everybody makes their own bracha, then it's fine. That they can make up the shiva. Now he says it's only bidiyavad. He said that it's not the best way to do it. But just because the number seven, it's not an Indian of minion. I mean, you need a minion to read the Torah. But the aliyot are not necessarily an issue of minyan or dvarshibik dusha. The brachot involved the Rashi Kedusha. That's why you need the minion. But the individuals accepting the aliyot don't necessarily have to match the threshold for minion, and that's why a katan and an isha would be okay. But again, the gemara is sholel the isha because it's covered at tzibur. It's not proper kavod for the tzibur for the woman to get the aliyah or to actually read the Torah. And that in this case of the gemara's time, when she read the Torah, it would be even less appropriate. And for the katan, again. It's the same thing that the Gemara says with regards to Hallel or with regards to other things that if a person has a katan, his child or his, or his wife, be him in Hallel or all these other items, then it's person tabo alav meira. This is someone that's not the appropriate way. It's not the proper way that it should be. So therefore, we dissuade people from doing that and we'd only call up today, which is our practice, is that we call up to the Torah only males of the age of Bar Mitzvah Although the Temanim in general have a minhag to call up even Ketanim to the Torah, especially for Maftir, but even for other Aliyot, they call up Ketanim for Aliyot. Ibailuhu. The question now is, Maftir, Shiva. When it comes to the Maftir, does he count as one of the seven that you have to have for Aliyot and Shabbat? So Ravuna of Ravim Rivabo, Machloket Amuraim, Chanamar Vichanamar Enole. One of them says it does count, and one of them says it doesn't count. The one who says he counts towards the seven kruim is because he's reading from the Torah. So then, why is he reading from the Torah? Why is it the person who gets maftir and is going to lay enough Torah have to get an aliyah? So in order to give kavod to the Torah, so that it shouldn't be there's parity between the Navi and the Torah. If you called up seven people to the Torah and then you called up an eighth person to the Navi, it would make it look that the Navi is on parity with the other seven Aliyot. So in order to show that that's not the case, you give the Maftir a Kriyan the Torah in order that he has something to the Torah. And then secondarily to that, he reads the Haftorah, he reads the Navi in order to show there's no parity. They're not on the same level with the Navi and the Torah. The cave in the Mishum Torah, the Minyan And because it's all because of the Torah, then he doesn't count towards the Shiva Kruim. So meitavei hamaftir benavi lo yivchot mesrim veechad psukim. Whoever lanes the Torah, the Torah has to have a minimum of twenty-one psukim. Why does it have twenty-one psukim? Keneged shiva shekaru b'Torah. Keneged the seven aliyot that you got in the Torah. What's the minimum number of psukim that you have for the kriyata Torah? Three psukim. So seven aliyot times three psukim is twenty-one psukim. So now im ita, if you're right that he doesn't count, the maftir doesn't count towards the seven kruim, then you really have eight kruim. It should be eight times three. It should be 24 psukim. It says, no, the only reason you're calling that last aliyah is not because he's separate or independent, it's because of kavadarah. Then you don't need psukim in the haftorah to be connected that. So now, matkiflo rova, vahare, is that really true that you need 21 psukim in haftorah? which is a miyau perek zayin, which is the haftorah for pashat tzav. And haftorah for pashat tzav has less than 21 psukim in it. So he says, what about otechem svu do'av in esrim v'chad? V'karinan, and we still read that haftorah. Shani hotam desalik inyana. This is Tosfut has brought this up numerous times here in Tanit and other places of Shoshana, which is the topic ended. That as long as the topic is relevant to continue leaning, then you can add on aliyot and you can add on psukim. If you end the topic, then that choice does not exist for you. 
So for instance, on Rosh Chodesh, where we talked about the problem, Rosh Chodesh had 8, 2, and 5, and trying to break up the Eliyot, there's no option to continue leaning over there because the topic changes. It's not relevant to Rosh Chodesh anymore after you get through the Parsha of Rosh Chodesh. So there you can't add on. So Sot over here, when we say there's a minimum of 21 Psukim, that's as long as it's topically relevant. But if you have a self-contained topic, like here by this parak in Yirmiyahu, then to continue leaning just to get to 20 Psukim doesn't make sense because it's just not topically relevant. And that's why we would read less. So now the Gemara says, Hey, is it really true where the topic does not change and you continue reading that you have to read a minimum of 21 Psukim? There are many times that I was before Rabbi Yochanan. We have a Karina Nasarab Suki. We used to read 10 Psukim in Aftarah. Amala Nifsiko. And he would say, that's enough. So the Gemara answers, Makom Sheesh Turguman, Turguman Shiny. In a place where they have the translator, it's different. That they would read the Psukim and then they would be metargim them into Aramit. That's only true in a place where they don't translate, where they don't have the Turgaman there. In a place where you have Turgaman, you can end before the 21 Psukim. Rashi says, for a very simple reason, It's basically about duration. Duration, if you read the Torah just without a Turgaman, 21 Psukim would take up so much time. But when you're using it with the Turgaman, it takes up much longer. So therefore, by the time you get to 10 Psukim, it's already too much of a tirchad to keep reading, and therefore we don't go over that number of ten psukim, or you don't have to go over the number of ten psukim. The Ran actually quotes as a quantitative matter. He says, well, you have the ten psukim of the Torah, ten times that you translate it, so that's twenty. And he says they read the last pasuk of the Torah twice in order that they get to twenty-one psukim. So they actually get to twenty-one psukim, just not all in Hebrew. You know, one in Hebrew, one Aramaic, so they get ten in Aramaic, ten in Hebrew, plus the last last pasuk is read over a second time. All right, so now I just want to go back here because there's a Tosafot here deals with some of the issues with regards to maftir, which is our practice. So he says over here, Pasak Rabbeinu Tam, the Kaimelan Kamanda Maruleh. The Rabbeinu Tam Paskins, that we go according to the one who says that the maftir is Oleh, the Minyan Shiva, and the Rif Paskins the same way. The Rif says, and he proves it, he has proofs that he brings down from the Gemarot, that the maftir does count to the minyan shiva. Now he says, as far as certain things are concerned, we know that for sure. So for instance, minchan atanit, where minchan yom kipurim, times where we read off Torah that is associated with laning, where we don't add on psukim, there it's clear that it's ole the minyan shiva. In that case, or there it's not shiva, it's ole the minyan shlosha, that it counts to one, towards one of the three aliyot. So in any case, with the exception of Yom Tov, Shabbat, and Yom HaKippurim, if you have a Haftorah, it's clear that Haftorah is Oleh the Minyan, counts as one of the Aliyot. But that's the way we pass it all the time. But the Rabbeinu Tam suggests over here, and this is what I mentioned to you before, Tosafot holds like Rashi in this matter, he says, The Menavotir doesn't count for the Minyan, not because the Allah is that way, but since you're allowed to add Psukim, Right? Then we can incorporate all the different shitot. Because basically you just, you can lay in a sixth aliyah on Yom Tov. You can lay in a seventh aliyah on Yom Kippur and an eighth aliyah on Shabbat. So it doesn't matter whether it's Oleh or not Oleh. You just read the Maftir as the extra one and then it works according to everyone. Because whether he's Oleh the Minyan or not Oleh the Minyan is irrelevant since you're allowed to add on the aliyot. Now this is the shita Rashi and here Tosafot is seconding that, which is that you're allowed to add aliyot on all of these times. Yom Tov, Yom Kippur and Shabbat. So therefore, the Psakalot, according to almost all the Rishonim, is that the Maftir is Oleh the Minyan. So then, how exactly does our practice work? So that's what Tosfet asks over here. Vekasha lefi minageinu, shanenu agim b'chosha betota shenash, maftir chuzer v'koreh mashakaru ha-Rishonim. The way that we have our Maftir do it is he reads that which was read already by other people. So how does that work? If First of all, what would be the question now? He says, if that's the minhag, and we our minhag comes from the time of Tanaim or the time of the Amoraim, then what was the question of the Gemara over here? Whether he's Ola the Minyan Shiva or he's not Ola the Minyan Shiva? You know what? The answer is very clear. He's not Ola the Minyan Shiva because you're reading part of the Torah that was already read by other individuals. So why did the Gemara have a question at all with regards to this? So Tosafot says that our minhag developed from actually from a change. It develops from a change in the way that we dealt with this maftir 
which is that we began to say Chatzik Kaddish. That we began to say Chatzik Kaddish between the leaning of the Torah and the Maftir. By doing that, we clearly demonstrate that the Maftir is not over the Minyan Shiva. It's not counted towards the Aliyot of the day. Because the Kaddish is a Mafsik, it's a delineator. And that delineator shows that it's definitely not one of the Aliyot of the day. Once you've done that, then the person who gets Maftir can read over what someone else read because... They're not counting towards the Oleh, the Minyan Shiva. They're not Oleh to the Minyan of the Aliyot of that day. So Tosavot says that our Minhag developed from another part of our Minhag, which is the idea to insert the Chatzikadish. But again, it's like chicken and egg scenario. They put in the Chatzikadish to demonstrate that the Maftir wasn't part of the Oleh, the Minyan Shiva. But the reason that the Maftir is not Oleh, the Minyan Shiva is because we have the Kaddish there that breaks it up. So he says that that developed to show and to break off the Minions break off the maftir from that. And he gives an example. He says the same thing applies. It's very important in Tosafot. Because this Tosafot argues on Tosafot and Gemara and Brachot. Tosafot and Gemara and Brachot does not think this. Tosafot and Gemara and Brachot says that we do do smichat gula litfilah at Mariv. And that we dive in Gali Yisrael and then we connect it to Shmon Esrei and Mariv. Number one. And number two is that even though Mariv is a Rashud, Kabul alab chuva. People accept it as a chuva. But Tosafot says something over here. He says... That in the time of Chachamim, they didn't say Kaddish before Maftir, but Maftir. After the Shas was put together, they didn't say to show that Tvilat Arvitz Rashut, so they put a mafsik in there. They put in something there to separate the Baruch Hashem Lelam Amen and the Chatzik Kaddish. So that divides up and shows you that it doesn't matter that we're breaking up between Gali Yisrael and Shimon Esrei. That it's really just the Rashut and the Kaddish and the extra Tvilot there are to show that it's a Rashut. It's actually not, as Tosavot suggests in Brachot sometimes that the Baruch Hashem Lelam Amen was in place of Shimon Esrei at one point because as Shimon Esrei as Karot of Shem Hashem. And that's why they say the Chatzik Kaddish afterwards, or it's part of Geula Richta. None of that is mentioned here. Tosvot says it was intentionally done to be a mafsik, to stop and to show you that Tvilat Arvid is a Rishut. And so too by the Kaddish of the Maftir. Now, there's one thing that the Rashba says. The Rashba says something very interesting. He says, even according to the one who says that a Maftir is not Oled Minyan Shiva, he doesn't count as one of the Aliyot, you can use him to finish off the Parsha. So, for instance, if you had a parsha and you broke the parsha into eight sections, the first seven would count as aliyot, and the eighth one was the maftir can read that eighth section, even though it's a new part of the day parsha that wasn't read yet. Now, that's not relevant for us because we repeat with the maftir, so we don't have this problem. But it does come up. It does come up in instances for when we have a special maftir. So, for instance, when it's Rosh Chodesh on Shabbat where we lean the Parsha, we give the seven aliyot, and we read the Maftir from Rosh Chodesh. That Maftir, we're reading the Haptorah of Rosh Chodesh, which we're supposed to read. It's a Takanat Chazal to read it. Takanat Chazal to read Minyan Yoma, to read Rosh Chodesh on the day. And yet we're giving it to the Maftir, which doesn't count as one of the Minyan Shiva. So that's what the Ran says, that if Api the Rashpa, it turns out to be fine. Because the Rashba tells us that even if you think the Maftir is not all the Shiva, he still can lean what's relevant from the day. He still can, that could be part of the Torah reading that we must read on that day. And so that's what we end up doing. In those cases where we take out multiple Sifrei Torah, the Maftir does read from something that is not read before, and yet it does count towards our leaning process. Now the Tosafot says, why on Shabbat do we not do what we do on Yom Tov? And other days where we have, like Rosh Chodesh, or any other day where we have a special maftir, which is we read from the Korban Hayom. Why don't we read the Korban Hayom for Shabbat? Why don't we just read that? And then that would be the Torah for Shabbat. So Tosavah gives two answers. One answer is that Yom Shabbat is only two psukim. And to read from extra stuff around it wouldn't be so relevant. So therefore it wouldn't work out. Or number two is he says then, you'd have a problem, because we know that we read the Haftorah from the Eina Maftir. Whatever the Maftir thematically is, that's what we read the Haftorah from. So he says, well, if you read of Yom HaShabbat every Shabbat, guess what? You'd have the same Haftorah every Shabbat. And then it would become a little silly, because then what's the point? You're reading the same Haftorah every Shabbat, week after week. The whole idea of the Haftorah were to give you a semblance or some connection to the Parsha. 
Over here, you're just going to read something that's connected to Shabbat, and it would no longer have that relevance. The other impossible answer is that we only read korbanot that are brought for kapara. And since all the korbanot of Yom Tov and Rosh Chodesh, as the Gemara Shavuot tells us, are for kapara, therefore we read those as haftarot, because of the principle, which is Zunashama Parim Svateinu, that by the fact that we read the Torah, we read these parshiot of the korbanot, it's ki'ilu hikrivum, as if we brought them. But since the korbanot of Shabbat are not for kapara, therefore we don't read them as mafters. Those are three different reasons. Tosavot says that we don't read the korban over Yom HaShabbat, Shnei Vasim as the Torah for Shabbat. All right now, moving on to the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah is a key Mishnah with regards to Dvarim Shibikadushah, the requirement for a minyan. Here the Mishnah enumerates for us items that require a minyan. Ein porsin alashma. I'm going to finish the Mishnah and I'll come back and discuss Ein porsin alashma because Ein porsin alashma is very difficult to understand. Everybody, all the Rishonim, Geunim, are trying to understand or trying to explain what this porsin alashma is. So Ein porsin alashma, Ve'en ovrim lifnei teva. Ein ovrim lifnei teva is chazarat shatz. That is, you don't repeat the Shmonesri unless you have a minion. You do not duchen unless you have a minion. Now, some of the other items here in the Mishnah, the Gemara will enumerate as to why. Here, by Eino Simit Kapehem, the Gemara never tells you why you need a minion for Birkat Kohanim. Now, one of the reasons might be because it's subsumed inside of Chazrat Hashatz. So that might be the, that might be the reason in and of itself. Because you need to do Chazrat Hashatz in order to get it. There are other two reasons, other reasons that are brought by the Rishonim. One of the reasons, the Ran gives a very interesting reason, which is by the introductory pasuk in Parshat Nasol to the Birkat Kuanim, it says, Kodavachud B'nei Israel. So he says, B'nei Israel means a minyan. By definition, B'nei Israel means a minyan, and that's why you require a minyan for Birkat Kuanim. The other possibility is because we have the pasuk in the Miluim by Parshat Shmini, when they finished the Avodah, it says there that Aaron got up and blessed the Am. So again, that was in a context of a Tzibor. And the last possibility is that it's a Takanat Chachamim here. And therefore, they established that it had to be B'Tzibor. Vein Korim B'Torah, Vein Maftirim B'Navi. Can't read the Torah. No, have no Maftir in the Navi. Elim Kain, you have a Minyan. So over here, according to most, that's just because, not because of Davar Shibikdushah, but simply because that's a Takanat Chachamim. The Takanat Chachamim was that it be done bitzibur, that it be done in a public forum. Venusim Mamad Umoshav. You don't do the Mamad Umoshav. Rashi over here says the Mamad Umoshav is on the way to the burial. They used to have a practice of going along and of standing and stopping, standing and stopping, which was that they would stop and then people would give eulogies along the way but it was part of this process of eulogizing and bringing the mate to the Kvura. The Ran, on the other hand, says it's on the way back. It's part of the Nichum Avelim, that the Amidah and Yeshiva is part of the process of returning from the burial. We don't say Birkat Avelim unless you have 10. We'll discuss what Birkat Avelim is. Really, we're going to get to in the Gemara Ketubot. Gemara here will mention it in passing. Same thing with regards to Nechamat Avelim. Birkat Chatanim, which is otherwise known as Sheva Brachot. Ve'im Ezaminim B'Shem. Ve'im Ezaminim Al-Amazon B'Shem. We don't bench with Shem Hashem. Pachot Me'asara with less than 10. Pachot Me'asara is going on all of these. You need 10 for all of these issues. Uvibkar Ka'ot. When you donate or you makdish something to Hekdesh of Karkot and you want to redeem it, that redemption has to be done with Tisha B'Kohen. You have to have 9 people plus 1 Kohen. 10 in total. Adam Kiyotzeran. Same thing is true with a person that is Kadosh, and the Gemara will deal with all of these issues now. The basic issue which is, Menahane Mile. How do you know that the Varim Shibik Dushah require 10? Some Rabbi Chiyabhavar and Yochanan Damakra, the Pesach says, Vinikdashti Bitoch B'nei Yisrael. It says that I will be sanctified amongst the B'nei Yisrael. So we're talking about Kedushah, and bringing Kedushah has to be Bitoch B'nei Yisrael. Well, what's the definition of Bitoch B'nei Yisrael? So, where do you find that from? It's It says there in Pashat Korach, separate away from this congregation. And then there's another Xer How do you know what an Eida is? What's the size of an Eida? So here we have the word Toch that tells me when you Betoch Bene Israel, then you have the very Mishibik Dusha. Then we find out that 
there's a definition of toch, which is ibadumi toch haida. Haida is already called considered to be toch. But then what's the definition of haida? So there it says, how long for this eidahara? That's in Pashat Shlach with regards to the miraglim. So with regards to the miraglim, it says leidahara hazolt. Well, how many bad miraglim were there? And this week's Pasha, well, in Pasha Dvarim, there were ten miraglim that were bad. There were two that were good, Yoshua and Kalev. So Eida references ten. So therefore we see that the definition of Eida is ten. So Malahalana Saraf, Kana Saraf. So it's a double Xerashava. Eida is ten. Then we go Eida, Eida. And then Toch, Toch. And then we get to the fact that it's ten. I just mentioned in passing, there's uh, again a lot more to say about this, but in both in Pashat Shlach and Korach, it's very interesting that we learn out Minyan from two terrible incidents. We learn out Minyan from the ten bad spies, and we learn it out from Adat Korach, from the rebellion of Korach. I mean, why would that, why would you even think that that should be the source for the fact that you have to have a Minyan? So it's actually, if you look carefully in those two parshiot, the word Eda appears many times in those two parshiot, and the word is entirely ambiguous in those parshiot. The word Eda it changes its definition, and sometimes it's very unclear. The Rishonim are arguing about what the word Edam means in those cases. And the truth is that the Torah probably was intentionally ambiguous about the Edam. And that is because it's not clear whether we can differentiate between the, in this case, the bad Meraglim, and the people who are listening to the bad Meraglim. That Edam, who is the real Edam? Is the Edam the Meraglim, or is the Edam the entire congregation of Klai Yisrael? The same thing with Adat Korach. With Adat Korach, is the Eda referencing the Adat Korach? Or is the Eda referencing the whole Kalal Yisrael? You can't differentiate between the two. And that's why Moshe said, Ibadumi toch Eda And the question is, who, which Eda are they separating from? But you must separate yourself away from these individuals, otherwise you will be considered party to whatever they're doing. So what the amazing thing is, is that these two parshiot use the word Eda in that ambiguous form, which shows you that certain times that there's ten people can be like the whole Eida, can be the whole Klal Yisrael. The word Eida is used interchangeably for the ten Meraglim as well as all of Klal Yisrael. It's used for Adat Korach as well as all of Klal Yisrael. And since the two are used almost uh, in the sense of the word for multiple times, it shows you that sometimes a core can represent the whole, or the whole can be represented by a core. So that is how we learn this out of these two parshiot, which is this idea that sometimes a smaller group can represent the whole. And that's exactly what the idea of Asara here is, that ten people are Toch B'nai Yisrael. They represent Klal Yisrael. The Rav Salvechik in Shirim Lezech Abim Mori writes something of this, this nature, which is that every minion is like a Tamsit of B'nai Yisrael. They become a representation of all of Klal Yisrael, as if now you are Betoch B'nai Yisrael. It's as if you're standing amongst B'nai Yisrael. And this would be borne out but again, the two examples that we bring from Adat Korach and from the Pashata Miraglim. Right now, going back to the Mishnah, in terms of what is Ein Porsim Alashma. Now the word Pores, first of all, is difficult. What is the meaning of the word Pores? So the Rishonim bring three different interpretations as to what the word Pores means. Some, like Rashi, bring down Pras, from the word Pras, which means half. Because it only refers to half, we'll see in a second, of what you're, you're only going to say half of what you normally say. That's one possibility. The other possibility of Pores means to begin, which is the way the Yushalmi interprets the word Porsim means to begin something. The third interpretation is brought down means Pores means to livarech, to give a bracha to. Now what is exactly Porsim Alashma? So Rashi here gives one example. Porsim Alashma is 10 people came late to Shul and then Tzibur had already davened. Now it seems, according to many, that these ten people already davened as well. But they davened beyichidut; they hadn't davened in public with the tzibur. So they be minyana bala beikanesa the charsh karu at tzibur at shema. They already read shema. Omeid echad v'omer kadish uvarchu ubracha rishonash bekriat shema. You say kadish before baruchu after yishtabach, and you say the baruchu, and you say the bracha rishonash bekriat shema. Now why do you need these items? Because all of these items are a davar shibikdusha. Right, you have, the Kaddish requires a Davar Shavik Dusha, Barcho requires a Davar Shavik Dusha, and now Bracha Rishona, there, according to this, the Bracha Rishona in Kriyat Shema also requires a Davar, a Minyan, because you say inside of it, Kedusha. Right, that's the Kedusha we say inside of Yotzer Or. So that's why Rashi says over here, what's Pores? Lashon Chatsi Davar. Because you only say one of the two of the Birkat Kriyat Shema. They already davened already. All they're doing here is trying to capture all the things that you would have said in a minion. What are the things you would have said in a minion? 
So that is Kaddish, Baruch Hu, and Yotzer Or. So those are the things we were said with the minion. That's Rashi's explanation of Porsim and Lashma. Now that's distinct from Ovrim Lifnei Teva. These people are not davening Shmon Esrei. They're not doing Chazarat Hashatz. This is simply Porsim et which is that section beforehand that requires a minion before you get to Chazarat Hashatz. Now Rashi over here says that they require a minion of people who didn't do it. Tosafot plays around with that and talks about other possibilities of numbers. And there Tosafot says that possibly seven, six, then Rabbeinu Tam says five. Talmidei Rashi say that it could be even one person, but Rabbeinu Tam would not be Nohek like the Talmidei Rashi. And therefore, our practice is that we only do something like this, where you have six people who didn't daven yet. There is another interpretation of Porsin al-Shema, which was brought by the Geonim in the name of the Saburaim, which is Porsin al-Shema is if you want one person to be Motsi at Rabim. It's a single individual is going to say it and everybody else is going to be Yotze. Instead of everybody themselves saying these items and saying the Kriyachma, the Birkot Kriyachma and the Kriyachma, instead of everybody saying it, you can have one person saying it and everybody's going to be Yotze. So first of all, you can only do that Biminyan. You can only do that when you have a minion. Now the reason for that is because generally we require Shomea Ka'one. Shomea Ka'one can apply even with less than a minion, as the Ran points out. You know, we do this by Kiddush, we do it by Abdullah. Shomea Ka'one has nothing to do with a minion. So why did Chazal require a minion over here? Because Afghan Since they have a Dabash Dusha incorporated in them, which is the Kedusha that is found in the Birkat Hayotzer, therefore they said that if one person is going to emote everybody else, then you have to do it the minyan. You can only do that when you have a minion together. Now he says that it will apply to Birkat Kriyashma as well, even though there there's no Kedusha because of low plug. So that's why you required a minion over here, because one person is going to motzi others. So the way they describe it here is one person is motzi others, and that is for these parts of the Birkat Kriyashma, which include Kedusha in it, therefore you need a minion for one person to represent everybody else, same way that you have it by Chazarat Hashatz, that one person represents the whole cow. Now the Yushalmi says that it has to do with the fact that you only have to start, in Porsin HaShemam, Pores means to start. But you only have to start Davar Shibdusha with a minion. But you don't have to end with a minion. And that leads to the Aloha that we know, which is that if you begin an item with a minion and somebody walks out, you can finish up whatever you are involved in. You can finish it up if it's a Davar Shibdusha, but you can't go on to the next item. And of course, as Toswat says, Yushami quotes the Pasuk over there, it says, that the people who leave Hashem should be wiped out. And that people leave a minion without uh, a minion is not proper. But here, they start with Birkot Kriyachma, and then it's distinct from Ovrim Lifnei Teva, which is telling you that that section of Birkot Kriyachma is separate from Shemun So if you have a minion, you can say Kaddish Baruch the first Baruch Kriyachma, or according to the Geonim, you can have one person say it for everybody. But then you cannot say Chazrat Hashatz. If the minion left in that period of time, you can't start Chazrat Hashatz. Chazrat Hashatz is considered to be a separate item in terms of the minion. So every item that carries a separate name will require a minion at the start point. And that's what in Porsim Alashma is. Now today our practice is not to do this Porsim Alashma in general. We only have the practice of doing it when there are six people have yet to daven. Then we have them daven together. And then you can be mitzarif to them for people who have already daven in order to make up the minion. So that's how we use this Porsim Alashma. It's a very, very small part of what Porsim Shema is, but that's the only way we do it. As far as the Kedusha of Yotzeor, today when we pass in the Ramon Paschans this way, that we say it even without a minion, and that's based on the Raivad. The Raivad who says that it's only Sipur Dvarim Bauma. It's just telling over what the Malachim do. It's not telling us that, it's not, we're not saying Kedusha, we're just telling us, telling what the Malachim do. And since we're telling what the Malachim do, and Sipurim Dvarim Bauma, it's not a Dovar Shibik Dusha. It's not a Davish Dusha, you don't need a minion, and that's the way that we paskin. And uh, the same is true, we can dusha the Sidra, it's true by Uvalutzion. When we say the Dvarimish Dusha there, it's better to say with a minion, but we still allow Yachid to say it because again we consider it to be Sipur Dvarim, and therefore it's allowed or permitted, even though you don't have a minion. But of course, much better to do it with a minion. Alright, now we already discussed Ainovim Lifnea Teva. As to why we require ten in each of these instances. One of them, by the case of Ein Porsin Hashemayim, the Tochanim, we gave the two reasons in the Rishonim. 
in Karim Batarayim and Maftarim Binavi is because these are institutions of the Chachamim and they instituted it bit Sibur. Now the Gemara wants to know, where do we get that from? So Kevin Dubai the Maymar Imdu Yukarim Amodu, Shvu Yukarim Shvu. Since he has to say, I mean that there'll be a person there, a MC that says, Stand up, our beloved ones, our dear ones, stand up, sit down, sit down, but just not proper etiquette. It's not to be mitarech the tzibur and to have a person come down and MC the whole event. It's only worthwhile once you have a big enough group of a minyan. So it's not inherently that you need a minyan here. It's not inherently because it's a davar shabdusha, but it's just not appropriate to do it without asara. You don't say sheva brachot without a minyan, and you don't say birkat avilim. My birkat avilim. What is this birkat avilim? My says birkat rechava. It's the bracha out on the street. So Tosfot over here says it's not the Birkat Amazon that he used to say. That's separate. It's not about the benching. But it's Birkat Shayomim Brachovair, Bamadot Shayosim Lenachem Avelim. The Bamadot that they used to do to be Menachem Navelim, they used to do that in the street. It was a special bracha that was said over there. And that is mentioned in the Gemara Tubot, and we'll get to it. And the Gemara beginning Tubot discusses Birkat Chatanim as well as Birkat Avelim. Birkat Chatanim, we know, is the Birkat of Sheva Brachot. Now, Dhamma Ravisa Omer Yochanan, Birkat Avilim Basara, Vein Avilim Mina Minyan. Birkat Avilim requires ten, but the Avilim don't count towards the Minyan. Birkat Chatanim, Sheva Brachot requires Asara, Birkatanim Mina Minyan, and the Chatan counts towards the Minyan. And the difference being is that by Birkat Avilim, there's one Bracha, where the Avel himself gives a Bracha to those that are being Menachem him. And the Menachamim give a bracha to the Avel, independent of themselves. Since they're not kolel, the other party, you need ten independent of that party. If, like for instance in benching, where you say nevarech, velokeinu, nevarech is all-inclusive, meaning both the person who is leading the zimon, as well as the parties to the zimon, are all included in nevarech. And therefore you can have ten, including the nevarech. Over here, where the birkat avelim, where the Avel is nevarech, the people who are being Menachemim, they are independent of him. Or the Menachamim, the Avel, they create a separate entity in a sense. Therefore, you need a minion without the Avel himself. In Sheva Brachot, where the Brachot are not excluding any of the parties, it's not defining any party there, then the Chatan can count towards the Asara in that case. And you also don't mention the Shem Hashem with less than 10 people. You need a minion to mention Elukeinu when it comes to when it comes to the benching with the Shem Hashem, you need ten people. Came to buy the Memar Nevarech Lalukeinu, but Tirmasara Lavorachara. So here the Gemara gives the reason, same reason that it did by the Mamadot and the Yeshivot, that it's just not proper etiquette. To mention Shem Hashem requires a minion. The Gemara in Brachot is much more definitive about it and says that you require, in order to say Lalukeinu, we need some sort of distinction in terms of hierarchy because if you have three and you can have a Zimun, then once you get to 10, how do we differentiate 10? So we have to differentiate it by saying Elokeinu, because 10 is a significant number beyond 3. 3 has significance, but then 10 also has more significance. So how do I give a sense of that significance? I mentioned the Shem Hashem Elokeinu, as well as the idea of Dava Dusha comes with 10. So therefore there's a reason to mention Elokeinu. Over here the Gemara seems to say that it's not proper, it's the proper etiquette to mention Elokeinu, is only once you reach the level of 10 individuals. Now, the Gemara finishes off. So, how do we know this? There are ten times the word Kohen is mentioned in the Parsha. It's not one Parsha, it's a numerous Parshiot at the end of Sefer Vayikra about assessing things that you are Makdish to Hekdesh. There, if you're Makdish of Makdish Karkaot, or if you're a Makdish individual, over there, it's mentioned ten times the word Kohen. So, Chadagufei, one comes to teach you that you require a Kohen. Ve'idach, the additional nine, have a miut achar miut. There's an exclusion after an exclusion. Ve'in miut achar miut, other abot. If you have back-to-back exclusions, if a double negative turns into a positive. So double negative, positive. So you start out with one Kohen, and then the next one says Kohen. Well, that's a miut achar miut, because it says Kohen and not anybody else. Double negative makes it a positive. It means I can even use an Israel. Therefore, everything else includes Israel. Gemara says, wait a minute. So then, the rabot tishay tzurim v'chad Kohen. So that teaches you you have ten, nine Israelim and one Kohen. 
wait a minute, that doesn't make so much sense. The way that you should read it is that you should have five Kohanim and five Yisraelim. Because every first time you mention the word Kohen, that tells you you need a Kohen. The second time you mention the word Kohen, that's a miut achar miut. That is an exclusion after an exclusion, and it becomes the Rabot. But then you stop, because now you reset, and the next Kohen is a start point. So every other Kohen should require a Kohen, and every other Kohen, the even Kohanim, should be a miot achamio, the rabbo, which include Israelim, she should have five and five, the Gemara says kasha. That's probably the right way to learn it, and they don't understand, they have a problem, they're not sure how the Mishnah got to this idea that there should be tisha and echad, it really should be five and five, according to this type of limud. Madam kayotzevahem, and assessing the value of an individual is similar to karkot, where it says, adam mikadosh, since when can you be makdish a person? There's no way to be makdish a person, a person doesn't become kadosh. So I'm Rabbi Yubo, Bomer, Damai, Alai. Now it's a case here where a person says that my monetary value I am responsible to give to Agdesh. The Tanya, Omer, Damai, Alai, person who says that my monetary value will go to Agdesh, Shamino, Toke, Evan. We assess him like a slave. Meaning that there was an active slave trade in that day. So you could go out to the slave market and say, what would this guy trade for in the slave market? So now I know what his value is. I can give you an objective value for an individual. So now once I've got that value, that's what he owes to Hagdesh. So that assessment has to be done with 10, just like by Karkot. Then when it says, And we know many places that Evan and Karka run the same way. Now Evan over here is referring to an Evan Kna'ani. And Evan Kna'ani has the same status as Karka. It becomes like possession or property. Because it says in the Pasha of Evan Kna'ani, That you will pass down these slaves to your children like a, a Yusha of Akhuzat, similar to land or property. So they have their animals, the Evid Kanani and the Karka all have a status of property. Since they all have status of property, Evid and Karka are correlated. And just like by Karka, you need 10, 90 Israelim and one Kohen, so too by the assessment of an individual, if you're going to assess their value as being sold as a slave, then you also require that same number, which is the 9 Israelim plus a Kohen. You need a minion to do that. Okay? We're going to stop over here.